As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network. From the Golden Gate to the New York Bay. What I have access to is a bit different than the public. Tamper with you. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam King, Anthony Slater, uh-huh. and Fred Katz. To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation. Into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? And the charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. Is that rocket science? Hey, man, I'm going to tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Here's your host, Sam Amick. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic. Here, after a long offseason, exciting offseason, where I have barely seen my guys in the same Zoom screen, usual suspects, Fred Katz, barely even recognize you anymore, coming from the East Coast, Anthony Slater, with me on the West Coast, although I'm not as far west as usual, and somewhere in the middle of the country, we have super producer slash friend slash talented reporter Andrew Schlecht in Oklahoma City. Gentlemen, what is going on? It was media day today. Doesn't the season this, is back. Doesn't this feel like the return of tampering also? I mean, I know we've had like various forms of tampering. But For this sure. Is, this is tampering right here. This is tampering. You know what I mean? And, and I'm proud to say this is tampering because, you know, in the interim – a little bit of patchwork happens where from week to week, who's going to be on, what are we talking about? And as much as I enjoyed it, it's, you know, clearly like this proven product, this thing that, uh, that we've had going for a while now is, is, uh, is, is good enough to stand the test of time. Here we are, uh, boys, I'm out in Denver, Colorado, uh, in a quick, uh, kind of, I guess, highlight recap of what pulled me out here. The obvious, of course, your world champion Denver Nuggets had media day today. Although, full disclosure, if I'm being honest, and, and the Nuggets know this as well, the, the travel itinerary and the plan, if you will, was, okay, uh, I'm actually in Colorado, strangely, uh, to go to Sixers training camp in Fort Collins, Colorado, but you can't be rude and, and not 
pop in with the champs and say hello on media day. So, so that's the part of the country I'm in. I'm going to throw it to you, Fred, because Slater's in his normal part of, of the region. Where the hell are you right now, my friend? I am in Charleston, South Carolina, ready for Nick's training camp to start on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, the beauty of training camp is it sends us out to the, like you said, Sam, some some random cities that we'd never go to, non-NBA cities. The, well, why the Sixers. Is can, can, can I ask you guys, why the hell are the Knicks in Charleston and definitely <laughs> why the hell are the Sixers in Colorado? Forget to hold on a minute real quick. Fort and this Collins, is especially right? for the YouTube audience. Forget your damn question, Slater. A more pressing, relevant question. Why the hell are you in a weight room? Like you got, I'm in the visiting you know, uh, <laughs> weight room in Chase Center right now because uh, I need to get a lift in right now. I mean, we're on YouTube. You see some of these dumbbells back there? I, I, I was like, go. hey, Warriors, I want to do a podcast, but I also need to get a lift in. And they're like, we got the perfect place. All right, the, Warriors got is, your the back. This is trend. where this is the where Knicks like when John only... Morant beats the Warriors in uh, the uh, play-in, he comes up here in this exact strange room and lifts afterwards. This is where they do it. See, this is the difference between covering the media-friendly Golden State Warriors and the New York Knicks. Because if I told the Knicks I have to podcast, can I have a room? There would be two potential answers. Number one, it would be that's your problem. And number two, it would be they'd only give me a room if they could lock it from the outside. And that <laughs> those would be the only two possibilities. That would be it. Well, I mean, you can you go ahead, Fred, pick on the Knicks. That's low hanging fruit. Um, you know, what about the San Antonio Spurs? You know what I mean? Like one of the many media day stories and things that we heard. Uh the the Spurs were doing their media day. Our guy Kelly Eco was out there trying to check in with Victor Wembanyama and crew and and you tell the story but I, I guess he was told that if you do any one-on-one -on -one interviews which by the way good job Spurs giving out one-on-ones I like it but there was one stipulation and Fred what was that so this was just sent to a group chat I, no, I was I not allowed I, I to talk to get, about this <laughs> I need to get I, th I don't know honestly it's not for me to say if you're allowed. it's really for Kelly but you said it so now it's out no, we're putting everything on the pod but according to the group chat, they were told to bring their own chairs if they're doing one-on-ones. But you know what? Good on the Spurs for doing such long one-on-ones that right? you can't even stand for the whole thing. I'm not mad at that at all. You Quick know, story time, and I'll you make it You know what kind fast. of chairs? I'm showing up with the, the nicest yeah. chairs. I'm going straight to Ikea if the Knicks tell me I can have a one-on-one -on -one with somebody just because I bring my own chair. I'm in. I mean, I, I think I've told this story on the pod before, but I once crossed half the country to interview Tim Duncan in a one-on-one -on -one in a hallway. There were definitely not chairs involved. And, you know, the, the arrangement was three questions or five questions. And it was very brief. So I, I like this idea that, you know, it's going to be so long and substantive that you got to settle in. Hey, hey, Sam, I once, I once just to get, when I was covering these the guys Thunder. guys are filibustering. I want to, I'm at least in San Francisco. Why are you in Charleston? Oh, you didn't why answer. Are we you didn't in answer Fort your Collins? question. Is there any good stories about why this So is? I, I asked, I asked, the Knicks have done training camp in Charleston a lot. When I, they haven't done it in recent years. Uh, I think mostly just because of like a COVID thing and getting into post COVID habits and they're doing it back here now. Uh, and when I asked why Charleston, the answer was extremely uninteresting. It was, it's it's near the water. It's a good food scene. They have a good practice facility. It's good to get out on the road for team bonding, which I think is really the real answer. Uh, and they have like good accommodations and it's a good excuse to go somewhere where you're not normally going to go. Uh, and so that's Sam, why they're here. Sam, is your story more interesting? <laughs> not only is it not more interesting, I'm just going to be totally transparent here. A, 
I don't know the answer. B, my limited attempts to get the answer uh, were asking Sixers PR, why the hell are you guys going to Fort Collins? And I don't think they'd mind me sharing this. This was a couple weeks ago, but there was no clarity on their end. Uh, really, they claim they didn't know. Um, C, and this is a tough pill for me to swallow, is because I'm a competitive MFer when it comes to media, and and I had to lean on one of our, our rivals here. I actually... For the sake of the pod, and we'll see if I get an answer, I just texted a friend and colleague, Tim Bontemps of ESPN, uh, to ask him because he's going to be out there as well. So if Tim provides the answer, I'm going to have to just get out of the way and, and share that insight. But so far, uh, no clarity. Uh, and, and that doesn't appear that he has the answer either. But there is – and I – man, I'm going to – all right. Like I said, we're putting everything on the pod this week. Um, I think this is okay to share. True story. That is almost Whatever. too good to you be true. Because cameo, who you got? Who you got? I mean, the legend himself, Raymond Ritter. Hey, Warriors PR man, Ray <laughs> Ritter. Okay. What is Get going some on? Real insight here. Get <laughs> Slater's. Slater's gone. I told him he had a pretty low maintenance media day there, where there was not any fireworks down here in uh, San Francisco. Really, we like no no fireworks on media. We've had our share over the years. Back over the. Uh, the 26 years I've been here. So it's good to have no news emanating from Warriors headquarters on media day. Ray, that's all well and good. I do have one quick question for you since you had to pop in here. Are you upset that Derek White now has the same haircut as you? Uh, I'm not upset. The more people can go this direction, the better. That, uh, that's what it's all about. Today, I was upset You're a today. Trendsetter. When, I was upset today when Gary Payton called me and said, hey, can my barber get into the practice facility i'm like you're just trying to make me jealous aren't you (laughs) there are pictures of ray ritter with hair they do exist they do exist in uh, In the kobe bryant age yeah yes indeed years ago all right back to the people who matter all right thank you ray um so (laughs) man and and i'm gonna i guess i'll qualify this this has got to be a jest but it was not actually delivered to me in jest as i'm around the nuggets today and this question of why the hell are the Sixers in Fort Collins is actually something that came up in the Nuggets world. Um, certainly not going to put a name on it, but uh, ran into somebody who you know is fairly significant in the Nuggets world uh, and, and heard that there's a story going around that sounds just like a punchline, but again, they didn't really deliver it like a punchline, that, uh, that you know perhaps the Sixers are so determined to figure out how to have Joel Embiid play well against Nikola Jokic that they had to give him a really early start on altitude training and get him out here in Colorado, which because he's got a bad track record against Jokic, you know, and, and he's missed a bunch of matchups. And um, so needless to say, the Nuggets are are feeling themselves these days. You know, you can you can have, you know, have those punchlines when you're the champs. But uh, I don't actually know why they're here. It's about to give people the geography Philly is going to be going about an hour north of Denver. It is the home of Colorado State. Uh, that is not where Coach Prime, you know, is employed. That is is Boulder, Colorado. Um, but uh, I, I am kind of looking forward to it because Fred, like we talked about off air a little bit, you do get so used to all of the same NBA stops. You know, after all these years of covering the league, it's it's kind of fun to see you know NBA players and coaches in a uh, non NBA environment. Well, Sam, I'm I'm very excited for you that you're going to go to Fort Collins, Colorado. That's that's great for you. However, I do think that the story we should talk about right now is the person who's not in Colorado. Yes, who indeed. who who is no offense, slightly more important than you are. Uh, slightly, Got a better beard than me too. 
Got a better beard than you. Yeah, James James Harden not not showing up to Sixers training camp and should we should we start there, Sam? Like I feel like that's Yeah, let's dive in. That's the story of the day right now. No, that's the story of the day. He wasn't at media day. Um does not appear that he'll be at camp. Um that was the reporting from our David Aldridge and Sham Sharania. I feel like maybe there was another writer involved on that byline, but um Vorkanov you know, was there. Yeah, Mike Vorkanov was there as well. So I, I kind of love the idea. This was, you know, the thinking going into this Fort Collins road trip was whether he shows up or not, it's going to be some kind of a scene, you, you know, talking to Sixers people about reintegrating him if he is there and then talking to them about what it means that he's not there uh, if he, in fact, is not there. Um, and, and, of course, this is not the first time, you know, the Sixers have had a tough couple of years, the Ben Simmons drama a few years back, you know, a similar deal where Ben was not at media day. Ben wasn't at training camp. Uh, and, and to take a step back, guys, and I definitely want your perspective on this, in the context of these trades that have happened, uh, specifically the last couple of days, but even going back earlier in the summer, you know, you've just had this wild superstar summer of of trades and relocations. And, and all of a sudden, James Harden is kind of the you know, the, the the guy at the dance who can't find anybody to get on the floor with. Uh, he wants to go to the Clippers, you know, but Damian Lillard didn't get his Miami wish, but he got to a good spot in Milwaukee. Drew Holiday was certainly, I'm sure, hurt to get dealt by the Bucks, but before long he's with the contending Celtics, you know, Bradley Beal going to the Suns. Um, so many moves. Uh, and, and now for me, the question is, what, if anything, does it mean that James is, is you know, potentially going to move in this way and not appear uh, because the Clippers being his desired destination, uh, they they missed out on Drew Holiday. They were definitely involved in that. They, you know, unless I'm missing somebody, they're out of options if they're looking to upgrade from that Kawhi Leonard, Paul George core that talented as they are is, is underwhelmed in their four years together. Um, so I don't know if it matters that, that James is going to continue to apply pressure, but it, it appears that that's the direction he's heading in. You could read it another way today, and again, I like I'm not reporting this. Maybe you guys both have more knowledge on it, but that like maybe something is in the works. Maybe not close, but like, hey, like don't come and be a bigger distraction than you need to be because with all these dominoes suddenly falling, Damian Lillard, Drew Holiday, like maybe the James Harden domino may actually fall in the next couple of weeks um, because it didn't seem like from reading the Daryl Morey quotes and certainly reading the Joel Embiid quotes today. Like it, it didn't. It seemed like they were trying to like throttle down any type of like contentiousness. I don't know how to read that because I read, you know, I, I didn't get to see any video of their comments, but I did read them, like you said. And um, there was even, I think, Da had a line in his part of the story about how Joel Embiid's smile was, you know, as genuine as anybody's in the room, and that Joel's spirit seemed to be in an okay place. Now, obviously. You know, yesterday, and everybody saw this when the Drew Holiday deal goes down. You know, Troll Embiid, as he likes to call himself, Troll Embiid. You know, tweets that uh, that it's been a fun off season, and and that's just kind of you know that's his personality. But everybody obviously is assuming, well, he's pissed because because he you know he's not part of any of these deals that are making uh, their team better. He you know reigning MVP in his prime, coming off uh, an incredible season. Uh, context about Ben Simmons. Context with losing Jimmy Butler before that, and now James Harden, a guy that he definitely rocked with, and on a personal level, you know, I, I believe they continue to be in a good place. But um, but now you you don't have your co-star, and you're going into a season where Milwaukee and Boston obviously are head and shoulders above everybody else 
in the East. And, uh, and that's just a, a terrible formula for a, a guy who is this talented. And really, for being, I think, fair, a guy who's been incredibly loyal to this point to Philly, um, you know, and and not, I mean, Giannis goes out this summer and sends all kinds of messages that the Bucks have got to be concerned. And that certainly played a part and their motivation to go out and get Damian Lillard. You don't really see Joel doing that kind of a thing. He's made a few comments here and there. Uh, but to your points later, I, I'm not sure right now how to read the, uh, the the mild way that he's reacting to this stuff. Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little more pessimistic about Philly's ability to find a deal that's really worthwhile for Harden. And the reason why I wouldn't compare it to Dame is number one, I think Dame is a better player right now. Like if Dame hadn't been shut down for the end of last season, he was going to be all NBA. And Harden is still a really good player. He can still really play. He's still one of the five ten best five best passers in the NBA. He can still run an offense wonderfully, and there are tons of things he does well, but he's not Dame's level. And more importantly, nobody believed those those veiled threats and leaks that Dame was not going to show up if they traded for him, especially a team like Milwaukee, who has a set culture, possibly the best player in the world, certainly the best player in the East, somebody who Dame has been on the record for years saying how much he respects and how much he would enjoy playing with him. Uh, there was there really wasn't any risk there. You guys know, like you talk to people around the league, no one wants to touch James Harden if James Harden's saying he's not showing up. Like people believe James Harden's not going to show up because this is now the third time that he hasn't shown up. I think in like six and a half he, minutes. I think there's teams that even if he was showing up, they're like, "Hey, we're still not interested in trading for you." I mean, forget Damian Lillard. Think about how easily the Drew Holiday market just came together. Mm-hmm, totally. And that was that was partly on Portland, too. Like when Portland made that trade, for sure, Portland's ambition was we are going to flip Drew Holiday really quick. And I think part of their logic there was like people have talked themselves into and out of and into and out of and into and out of James Harden a million times. They've heard James Harden's name on the trade market with Houston and then with Brooklyn and then now with Philly. And they they hear these you hear these names, you anticipate these names becoming available, and you have all of these meetings for months and conversations for months about should we get Joel Embiid if he becomes available? Should we get Kevin Durant if he becomes available? And nobody was thinking about Drew Holiday. And I think Portland wanted to capitalize to some degree on the freshness of people being like, oh, Drew Holiday, he's really good. He could be the missing piece. Go get him. Uh, and I think that was that was part of it for for Portland. But it's also like Drew Holiday is a beloved teammate who is going to play two ways. And quite frankly, at this point in his career, I think is a superior player to James Harden, taking out all the off court stuff and and the 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 you know the possibility of Harden not showing up, whatever else. Like because of the way that Holiday defends, like he was an All Star last year. Like, yeah, the Bucks' offense could go stagnant, but he was an all-star last year. And part of the way because he guards and and his two-way abilities. So, like, I think just based on basketball, Drew Holiday is going to have a higher trade market. Uh, but when Harden is saying quietly he just wants the Clippers, it's just the Clippers, teams that might be on the fence, that might otherwise try to get in, are going to lean the other way. Uh, and, and we see that happening. I mean, okay, if— 
Sam, do you think there is another team that could emerge or do you think if and when this happens, it will be the Clippers and and that's it? Like, is there, if we're just like, not even based on reporting, if we're just like spitballing, is there a team that you could see saying, screw it, let's go for it, let's get James Harden? Like, could Miami do that? Yeah, I mean, Miami's the natural one, especially with this level of, you know, perceived desperation, I guess. And by the way, we should have mentioned Jimmy Butler's hair stole the day on, on media day. Uh, yet again, uh, but but like I joked about off air, Jimmy, you know, I wouldn't blame him for for putting a, a new hairdo together to, to have a diversionary tactic from a heat roster in a heat summer that was pretty bad. Um, and so, yes, who knows? It, you know, could Pat Riley and Andy Ellisberg roll the dice on James? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think that team exists. And everything you said, Fred, lands with me, uh, but also surprises me. And I say that because. You know, you're talking about a guy in James who there's a strong argument you could make that he should have been an all-star last year. His numbers are still fantastic. He had a very good year last year. Um, and then the playoff struggles with quotations around him, they came late, but he had some incredible moments in the playoffs. And I would argue, you know, showed up as much if not more than the big fella, you know, uh, who had a hard time in the playoffs as well. The, the dude can still play at an elite level, but the – baggage, if you will, of the past couple of years is something that he's paying a price for right now. I mean, there's just no way around that from Houston to Brooklyn to the situation in Philly. And not only that, to me, the context matters. Uh, you talk about the relationship and the history between he and Daryl Morey, you know, the guy that, that had his back, you know, more than anybody in the NBA for a lot of years and elevated him to now be sideways in the kind of public acrimonious way that they are. That's all the type of stuff that, like you already said, is is going to make other teams want to be hands off. So I don't know where it goes, um, but uh, I wonder within all of that, I assume, did you guys uh, hear this commentary and perspective recently from Matt Barnes on the All the Smoke podcast? And I think he might have been with Kevin Garnett where they talked about, you know, James has got to be careful because this league does not need you. And, and essentially it was KG because KG had a great line about how I think he said you only have so many wiggles in this league. Like you can wiggle a couple times, meaning wiggle out of situations, but you wiggle out of Houston, you wiggle out of Brooklyn. Now you're trying to wiggle out of Philly. Like you, you wiggle one too many times. You might wiggle your way out the league. And from a guy who certainly knows this league, I thought that was a pretty, pretty pointed perspective. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's also the fact that like he's got one year left on his deal and he's an unrestricted free agent and you don't know what he's going to do. And, and that's, it's not just about, okay, is he going to come in and ask for a trade a year later? He's just going to be an unrestricted free agent a year and can leave. And that always dampens the market for a guy. I I still think something has to happen with the Clippers. They have those two picks that they can trade. They can trade 28. They can trade 30. Those are They can be unprotected. They can throw Terrence Mann in the deal. I don't know if Philadelphia is going to get all of that. I think that would be a big return, not necessarily for James Harden's talent level, but a big return given Philadelphia's leverage. But at the same time, we didn't think that they had any leverage with Ben Simmons, and they ended up getting James Harden out of it, uh, and and a couple of picks. So so or, you know, including a couple of picks. So we'll we'll see we'll see exactly how it goes down, and and maybe Daryl Morey pulls a rabbit out of the hat, but. To me, but Fred, it feels the irony like, of them getting James for Ben, if you remember, is that they threw back channels. They, 
in like my understanding, Brooklyn was to a degree terrified a little strong, but Brooklyn knew that the idea of an unhappy James Harden in their ecosystem for too long was something they just did not want to deal with. So the, you know, the irony is that, that the Sixers and Daryl benefited from that uh, because, you know, Brooklyn looked at that situation and said, no, thank you. It's time to part ways, you know, and so you give up maybe a little bit more than you wanted to. Uh, and now Daryl's the one, you know, having to deal with, with all that energy. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, look, it's the way of the NBA. It's it the way that it goes. This- I, I still think they're going to get something, but I don't know. Like, it doesn't sound like there has been much progression. The Clippers are saying there's nobody else. And, 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 and Philly is, is saying just, well, we're not going to do it for nothing. This is James freaking Harden. We'll move on after this, but guys, your basketball perspective on, let's just say they do get something done with the Clippers, you know, in the context of the Bucks and the Celtics and the Suns getting better and the Warriors and all these different high level teams, uh, you know, the Clippers with James Harden, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, the rest of that crew, where does, you know, does that put them? Doesn't put them over the top, but does it put them in that class? Where does it put them? If you guarantee me Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and James Harden, particularly I'm talking Kawhi, are healthy and playing, uh, you know, all seven games of a seven-game series, sure, I think they're, that's formidable. But I don't, I mean, we're going to do this again and again and again with the Clippers, right? Like, they're theoretical. <laughs> they don't actually exist as like a playoff team, like together. So, right. that's, I mean, I right, just... Right. I'll believe it when I see it. I just think Russ and Harden should play together for all 30 teams at this point. <laughs> they played They played at the Boys and Girls Club in L.A. when they were 10 years old. They played with the Thunder. They played with the Rockets. They'll play with the Clippers, and I think they should just do it again. They should go when they're like 55 years old. They should go and play in the big three together. Just do it all. I like it. I like it. All right. Mr. Schlecht is over in the corner of this Zoom call. It's just getting left out. That's on me, Andrew. Apologies. Um, let's pivot and talk about the least drama-filled team in the NBA, or at least one of them. Here come the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, post-KD, Russ Harden, uh, you know, with a young man by the name of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who just had a, a wonderful summer of competition in the FIBA World Cup tournament for Team Canada. Um, doing good things up there, looking like a superstar, number five in MVP voting last year. Um, so many good young pieces getting Chet Holmgren back this year. Um, Andrew, you certainly have established yourself as, you know, probably the number one authoritative voice on the Thunder up there. And and I was giving you a little love, you know, off the air that for the second year in a row, I believe you sat down with SGA to get his perspective on things. But um, I, I want to know a little bit, give us a preview of, where his head is at because from one training camp to the next, this Thunder team and, and their timeline seems to have been pretty escalated and, and kind of sped up and they're in a, a pretty good place right now. Yeah, there's definitely an excitement around the Thunder right now. And I think they are all trying to tamper that down a little bit. I don't think that they want the expectations behind them. No tampering, even though that's the name of the podcast. I know, so I no know, exactly. You know, uh, yeah. Shea was, a, he was very interesting to talk to. He, had definitely had some excitement about the season. I asked him about being named to the All-NBA team, All-NBA first team. And he was really trying to be thoughtful with his answer because he, I think he didn't want to say it doesn't matter that much to me. But he ended up saying, I have goals that are higher than that. 
And he's like, I'm honored to be on the All-NBA First team, but I have goals that are higher than that. So I asked him, like, okay, well, tell me, tell me what other boxes you want to check. And, you know, it's what you think you're going to hear. It's an NBA championship. You know, he doesn't want to be one of the guys that's left uh, with just the accolades without any rings. And so he voiced that that's a really important thing to him. I talked to Giddy as well, and there was not one person more excited about Chet being there than Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy talked about how they, he said it's kind of weird because they had instant chemistry the first time they touched the floor together in Summer League. And he's like, I didn't really understand why. He said, I've always wanted to play with a guy like that. And Giddy was particularly excited about that. Giddy also said that his number one thing that he feels like he's going to be better at this season is getting to the free throw line which he basically just didn't. He took basically one free throw a game last year. And he said that that's what he wants to improve on, uh, which I think it, I think could make Giddy a much better player. Because I th- he's one that gets a left out a little bit when you're talking about the future of the team. I think obviously Jalen Williams is one that people talk about a lot. Chet and Shea. But if Giddy can learn to get to the free throw line and make free throws, I guess not out of the question that guy can average... 28 and six this year. And I think that's not something that people have on their, their radar quite right now. Andrew, how Andrew, much five follow? Can, I, can I ask a quick, how much five yeah, yeah. is, is Chet going to play this year? You think? I, I think a lot. I think they're going to try him as the starting five, because I think the thing about Chet is his, the biggest advantage that you can have with Chet Holmgren is when he plays the five, if he's a four, he can still be effective and still be a good player, but he's a much it, it makes the Thunder a lot more scary if he's their five. So I think they're gonna try it a lot. They don't have a lot of traditional bigs on the team. It's basically him. You have Jay Will, the other Jalen Williams, and then Olivier Saar. <laughs> you know, like they just don't have a lot of bigs. And I think that's by design. I think they want to play small, they want to play fast. Their team played their best. When Kenrich Williams, a six foot six forward, played center for them last year. And I think they know that. And so they want to stay as small as possible. And if Chet can play center and kind of unlock some things for them, I think that's the ideal situation. Well, Andrew, the reason I asked that, and I'm glad we're talking about Kenrich Williams's plus minus on the on the Media Day podcast. <laughs> next thing we're going to be talking about... Just really Isaiah. pulling the listeners in, aren't you, Fred? Next next thing we know, we're going to be talking about Isaiah Joe's plus-minus numbers, hey. which are insane, insane, by the way. Yeah. Crazy. Isaiah Joe should have been MVP last year if he just got based on <laughs> net rating. Uh, the reason I ask about Chet is because you bring up Giddy get in the line, which is also a function of Giddy... Look, a lot of it is just going to be on the fact that like Giddy is not a shooter. And if he develops a jump shot and he's trending in the right direction, then it will help a lot because guys can play a little bit off of him and he has to really fight his way to the rim, right? Like he's, Mm -hmm. he is, he's making things more difficult for him by not being a guy who teams have to really worry about from beyond the three point line. But if you have a guy who isn't like Isaiah Roby at the five and they've had, you know, guys who can shoot the three at the five. They've had like Mike Muscala there and mm-hmm. they've gone with weird unconventional lineups. Like they played the, they play, they are just like, they are crazy with the amount of different lineups that Mark Dagnall plays that with that team. 
but do you think how big is that for for Giddy? And how big do the Thunder view that for Giddy? Just Chet's ability to play the five in terms of his development, his ability to get to the line more, get to the rim more, and and kind of be him excel be while being himself. Yeah, I think it's a huge deal. I mean, they obviously lack shooting, especially in the starting lineup. Shea did not shoot it well from three and didn't really take very many threes last year. They need J-Dub to be a legit threat from three. And then you have Lou Dort, who we know is going to shoot him. Took the most threes on the team last year, same the year before. He's going to take them. Not a very good shooter, not a guy people are going to close out to. Not creating space for anybody. So it's really going to be on Chet and J-Dub to be the shooters. And Giddy's good enough of doing everything else. Like, he'll screen, and he'll move off ball, and he'll get down toward the dunker spot at times. So they, he can do some stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to be a shooter. Like, you have to be a shooter in this league to make it as far as Josh wants to make it. And he's working hard. They got Chip England there, and they still have hopes that he can be somebody that can at least shoot it well enough, like in like 35, 36% range and be somebody that you care about, but he's not there yet. And so, yeah, if you have Chet out there that you have to close out to, it changes quite a bit of the geometry on the court for them. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, Mr. Slater, as we continue making the rounds here, um, I'm going to pivot a little bit. Uh, One squad that is not lacking for shooters and hasn't for quite some time is the one that you cover. Steph and Clay and company are are back at it again. Jordan Poole gets swapped for Chris Paul. You know the story. Um, I I, want to know what new messaging, if any, there was today. Uh, Last week, you and I were down there together to talk to Mike Dunleavy Jr., uh, first-year GM for the Warriors and, and got his perspective. Steve Kerr talked. They kind of checked the coach and GM box with the media in advance of media day. Um, what what did we uh, see down there? What were the takeaways? 
Yeah, I mean, there was really two stories going into media day. Uh, Chris Paul, you know, being with the Warriors generally was one, but within that was obviously the starting lineup question, which Chris Paul knew was coming. And we all know Chris Paul, <laughs> like he's going to be like, he knows it's coming. So he's going to have a message like how he wants to get it out. I asked him about it. It was probably like the third question of his press conference and he mentioned hey i came off the bench in the 08 olympics he went he went all the way back to 2008 which by the way highlights like how long he's been around 2008 (laughs) back Um, in 95 (laughs) yeah but i mean you know just the fact that he's like you know i came off the bench for the 2008 olympics and you know everyone who knows me knows i'm about winning like it was and you know uh, an olive branch whatever you want to call it like a first signal of like look if if it goes that way He's clearly going to accept it. Um, it wasn't him saying, "Hey, it is, I am going to come off the bench for the team." But I, you know, I, I think he's at least made the decision that Steve Kerr has to make the conversations that he has to have a little bit easier. Number one, but two, which was another more like you know in the moment story, is Draymond Green sprained his ankle last week pretty badly. Um, yep. You know, he's off crutches or no walking boot. Like I, it's not a long term type thing. They said they're going to reevaluate him in two weeks, but. Two weeks is, you know, we're getting up towards the regular season. This is a pretty condensed training camp. He's going to miss most of preseason. He's going to miss a lot of these important practices. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, this gives Steve Kerr an easy out of Draymond Green, either, you know, if he misses the first few regular season games or even if he gets back, like easing him in and, you know, a, more of a, a tiny minutes load off the bench. And suddenly I think if I had to guess right now, your starting lineup opening night is going to be Steph Curry, Chris Paul, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney. Uh, with either Draymond not playing or Draymond easing back into the lineup. So I think that was the two stories of the day. And the other one is just seeing Chris Paul in a Warriors jersey. It's weird. He thought it was weird. He was filming promos, like, and he was even telling us how we're like, God, it's like, come on, Dub Nation. He's like, Ugh, it just sounds weird to like say Dub Nation, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, but it's here, and they're they're all like really trying to embrace it. I, it is weird, man. I can't the, even the hesitation, to be honest with you. You got me just sitting here chewing on the CP and the Warriors jersey. Uh, you and I both covered those Rockets playoff series, you know, however many years that was. Seeing them, you know, Houston, we talked about Daryl Morey earlier, you know, Daryl and the Rockets just going for the Warriors' throats and really the only team out there that was trying to take out, you know, the champs in that regard during the Kevin Durant era. Um, it's I'm very curious to see what this Warriors team looks like with Chris Paul uh, talking to people around the league. And this is the kind of stuff that certainly adds motivation for the Stephs and the Clays and the Draymonds is like, I do think obviously respect around the leagues at an incredibly high level and always will be because of what they have accomplished. I think we've reached that point where basketball people will quietly say they're going to win games. But you know, if you're being honest and saying, is this a championship team? There is a lot of skepticism around the NBA and nobody will say it out loud because you just don't do that. Um, and you know, the CP move, uh, you talk about added motivation. This is a guy that, that, you know, since the very beginning of his career has been looking for extra fuel because he was small and, and doubted and things of that nature. Chris has always, you know, kind of been motivated by that and, and we'll see if he can meet this moment. We'll see if he can be healthy and, and fit in. And it is from a mental psychological standpoint, I think very interesting that he, mentions that 2008 comp because that does feel like he finally read the room and realized like Chris are you really gonna just kind of be this resistant force and presence uh you know because you're maybe not excited about coming off the bench and 
So we'll see if they can make it work. Yeah, I do think he's going to help their second unit. They're going to have a better, even if like he's starting games, they're going to you know pull him early, whatever. Like I do think the start of the second quarter, Steph's off the bench. You're going to see Chris Paul and Dario Saric, who they played together in Phoenix. Chris Paul was like a large, you know, a, a loud advocate to sign Saric. Um, Kaminga, who uh, every single person mentions, like how much they believe Chris Paul can help unlock Jonathan Kaminga. This team has been scrimmaging like crazy together. It's where Draymond Green sprained his ankle. He stepped on Jonathan Kaminga in a scrimmage, but Paul has been playing a lot with Kaminga. And you talk, you know, Moody in that lineup, maybe a Wiggins, a Clay to space the floor. Uh, that is just a lot better than if you th- think about the the second units that we were all watching with him last year, like. Poole and Wiseman and Anthony Lamb and Ty Jerome and like it was just this mismatched group. Jamichael Green did not have a good year for them. I think their depth in the immediate does especially seeing it today. Rudy Gay's here too. You know, I saw Rudy Gay up there. You kind of forget. Um, I I think they're a little bit deeper now. Are they championship worthy? That to me, that's more of a question. Of, is their top level talent Steph, Clay, Draymond? Are they st- still holding on long enough to to pull this team over the finish line again? Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know if they're big enough, and I just don't know if they they have five six months of championship level basketball in them. They seem to believe they do, and the motivation level, and you can see it today. They mentioned it through. I think Draymond really went deep into it, but a couple got other guys mentioned it. It is so much easier for them to get prepped for a season after losing a championship than winning a championship. When they win a championship, they party and appreciate what they've just done all summer. When they lose, they're pissed off and they work really hard and they usually have another extra month, right? When you get eliminated in mid-May compared to mid-June. And that really matters like to how they show up. They seem to, besides Draymond being hurt, they're in really good shape. You know, Clay apparently has looked great behind the scenes. Last year, he didn't even scrimmage over the summer. He had a really bad start to the year. He thinks he's going to have a good start. We'll see, but that's kind of where they're at. Good stuff. Uh, Fred, the, the latest uh, byline from from uh, your part of the athletic world reads, Cats, Knicks have been patient and, and are betting on themselves this season. And uh, subhead, if the Knicks take a leap, it will be because of the incumbents, not new additions. Um, before you dive into what they look like and what the vibe is around camp, do you have any clarity on to what degree, if at all, they, they tried to jump in on the Drew Holiday situation? I think they explored it. Uh, I don't think they explored it with a ton of enthusiasm. Uh, actually, enthusiasm is not the right word. It wasn't like a pursuit. Vigor? Yeah, vigor. That's a better yes. word. There we go. You yes. should be a writer. Yeah, I, I think it was I think it was more kind of there's a big name on the market. We have a lot of draft picks. We're a good team, and he's a good player, so let's check it out. And I don't think it was much deeper than that. Uh, and based on the return that Portland got for Holiday with Rob Williams, who's a really good young player, and Brogdon coming off six man of the year, as well as picks, like I – I don't think the Knicks were going to do that. If you look at the salary structure as well, like the only way that the Knicks were going to be able to make a Drew Holiday trade work financially was including either RJ Barrett or Mitchell Robinson. The way that they value, Tibbs specifically values rim protectors, it wasn't going to be Mitchell Robinson. He needs that in the middle of of his defense in order to make it work. And RJ has doubters in the organization and he has believers in the organization but you know 
I, I first of all, I don't think Portland would love RJ as a return, even if they like him in general, because I don't think he's the greatest mix with Scoot, uh, who is really a penetrating guard, and RJ is a penetrating wing, and they want to put shooters around Scoot. And uh, you know, now all of a sudden you're talking about RJ plus seven forty eight for money and a couple of first round picks probably, and that's a lot. And also now you're eating into what you mentioned. They've been patient, like what they've been patient for. They are waiting on a huge best player on a title team player to become available and to want to go to New York. And they're waiting on that guy and they want to have the assets. They have all of their own. I mean, is that a one picks. man list? That's a one man list, right? I don't point. think it's a one man list. I think there Two, is one I mean, man. I guess I'm overreacting to the Lillard, Lillard trade. Yeah, I think I think there is one man who is who is very much at the front of the list and his name is Joel Embiid. Uh, and and obviously Liam Rose used to be his agent. I think I think Giannis is on the list. I also think that people are more pessimistic about not just with the Knicks, but around the league. People are a lot more pessimistic about Giannis's availability opening up after the Lillard trade. Uh, I also think there's like a third person on the list who doesn't have a face and is just chalked up to this is the NBA shit goes down real fast. Like, this is the NBA. Someone who we might never think is actually going to be available is going to become available really soon. I don't think James Harden's on that list. I don't think there was really pursuit of James Harden at all. Um, it's they, they want somebody, though, who is like a best player on a title team, and that's, that's who they're saving all this stuff for. They've got good young players, but they don't have like a future super duper star on the roster. They have all their own picks, which have value. They've got four protected picks from other teams. None of them are are great because they're all protected to various degrees. I they're just waiting and there's not much turnover. I mean that's that's what that's why I say they're they're betting on themselves because they're not just betting on their ability to eventually be able to churn out some trade for a superstar. They're also betting on the abilities of the guys there. Uh they have Eight of their nine rotation guys from last year back, they traded Opie Toppin to the Indiana Pacers. They signed Dante DiVincenzo. They're going to be much smaller, at least physically. I don't know if they're going to play smaller in terms of style, but Dante DiVincenzo is smaller, is a smaller person than Obi Toppin, although I'm willing to hear an argument that he plays more physically and is a better rebounder than Obi Toppin. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I am uh, really curious to see whether that continuity actually carries over and it looks like man these guys know how to play together they had a really good season last year won 47 they games did. won a playoff series fought miami hard uh but but they're young and they're betting on those young guys to get better they're betting on a better season from manual quickly another leap from quentin grimes um and i'll tell you what most importantly there are important people at the knicks who are like absolutely insistent that Jalen Brunson is going to have another massive leap this year. Like, not like incrementally get better. That like Jalen Brunson. What is was, a massive, what is another massive Jalen Brunson leap? I mean, at this point, we you're t- it's like you're talking like all NBA second team, all NBA first team. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't all NBA or an all-star last year. I mean, we have to remember that part. But I mean, here there are people there. Who say so? So Brunson last year averaged what twenty four and a half a game or something. After January first, he averaged twenty eight a game 
on 52% shooting and 45% three-point shooting. That was after January 4th. That's three months. Like, that's not a hot streak. And then you see him close out the season against Miami, with Miami's defense paying him all the attention in the world because they do not have three-point shooters around him, just swarming him in the middle of the lane all the time, and him duking out, juking out everybody, right? And this is not some sort of crappy defense. This is this is Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo, and he goes for 32 in game four of that series, 38 while playing all 48 minutes in game five of that series, and then 41 in the closeout of that series. And they lose the series, but not because of Jalen Brunson. And there are people there who are just like insistent that what you got at the end of that Miami series, like that's Jalen Brunson. I'm not saying they're insisting he's going to average 38 a game, but like that level of play, that's just going to be a nightly thing that that guy who averaged 28 a game for the last three months of the season last year, like not a hot streak, that 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 is what Brunson's going to do. And, and in my mind, that would constitute a huge leap because, yeah, then we are talking about like 28 a game on 50, 40, 80 shooting. Like we are talking about a shoe in for all NBA. I don't know if it's first or second or third team, but probably second or third. But like we are talking about like shoe in all NBA category. Uh, and there are people there who are like, this dude is not there yet. Like he has a ways to go and we are seeing it behind the scenes. They're just like, they are swearing by it. Yeah. The, to me, the Knicks just, they they now profiled me a little bit of, uh, as a victim of, of what's happened the last week, uh, you know, trade-wise in the league. And they're grouped them with pretty much every other Eastern Conference team that is in the Bucks and the, and the uh, Celtics. But a week ago, didn't it seem like the East was not up for grabs, but like you could see uh, a Knicks, a Heat, a, you know, Cavaliers or something like surprising one of those teams uh, where now those two teams, just the way that they both just bolstered up. It's like, you know, I just I see another fourth, fifth, sixth seed for the Knicks and in, in second round at most. And that's fine. That's a good season and everything. But like the East is not as wide open as it, as it felt uh, last week. Can I can I can I say something that's that's a little con- against conventional? Yeah, a little against conventional. Knicks wisdom. are going to win the East. Say it now. Just just put it on the record. No, that's absolutely not what I was going to say. Cavaliers are going to who who? I mean, I actually think the Cavs are going to be. Quite, I, I I I I I loved their summer. I thought their summer great was summer. Great. great. They summer. didn't they didn't have a fifth guy for that first round playoff series against against the Knicks, and they went out and they were like, "We are addressing that. We're getting George Yang and." We're getting Max Struess and well, the whole IUTs. I got to hear okay. the other thing. He got okay. you down the Cleveland road. I need What's a statement here? here. This needs to be a yeah. statement. Okay, here's my statement. Everyone's like, the East is is okay. It's done. It's going to be one of two teams now. Really? We're just calling it because Boston has six good players, multiple of whom have serious health concerns. Like we're just calling it. We're calling it because Al Call Horford it. is. Al Horford is a wonderful player and notoriously is in unbelievable shape all the time. He has also been playing in the league since like James Naismith invented the sport. Like Drew Holiday is a wonderful player and I love Drew Holiday's game, but he's 37. 30, but he's 33. He's 33 years old. Chris Porzingis was healthy yeah. last year. Chris Porzingis invented this game 37 years ago. I 37 years ago, back, Sam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If it was before I was born, it was in the 19th century. <laughs> That's how it works, all right? 
Chris Lapsworth had a wonderful year last year in Washington, maybe the best year of his entire career, and he was great for them, and he stayed healthy. Is he going to stay healthy again? Like, Boston is thin. They have six wonderful players, but are those six wonderful players actually going to be playing for two straight months? Like, we're really just calling it Slater, right I now. don't think Fred Boston's wants to say out. it, but the Mil- undercurrent here is he he does think the Knicks are going to win the East. Mil- Milwaukee, no, no, you're going to make me pick Cleveland out of spite now. But no, Milwaukee... This is, we need you to go on record with an outrageous pick. Milwaukee, meanwhile, I'm not knocking Milwaukee for the trade. I'd have made that trade 100%. That was, a, that was a good trade for them. But it's not just like locked and loaded that it's going to be Milwaukee because what happens... No. What happens if Jalen Brunson or Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland walk into that the backcourt and they're just like, okay, you know what? Milwaukee Bucks, you are banking on the fact that you have two phenomenal rim defenders in your front court, and they are going to cover up all the other guys' mistakes. And Giannis is fantastic defensively. And Brooke Lopez had a great defensive season last year and is a wonderful paint protector. And those two guys will yeah, probably is. make up for a lot. This is this is a real special guest. Uh, we got another cameo? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I am. It's, it's a podcast. Actually, the same podcast you were on last week. Oh, it's Mike Dunn. Leave this is your gym. I heard this is the visitor's gym. Come on in. I, I... <laughs> yes. Uh, would you like to, to, to put a hot take on air? Mike, two weeks in a row you're joining the pod? Yeah. What's going on here? You guys aren't doing it in person here. We're not. We're not. That's Slater's pulling the, the duty. Lazy. I know. Sorry. Lazy. Right. <laughs> Apparently, I'm taking over his gym, so we're going to cut this in about the next 10 minutes, and then you, you, you can get in here and get a lift in. All right. All right. My take is my take is coming on just in time for Mike Dunleavy. These other teams in Mike the East Mike just called us lazy, by the way. Let's just make sure that part gets highlighted. <laughs> These Okay, fine. Then I'm diving even harder into this with even more energy and, Sam, as you would say, vigor. There are a lot of teams in the East with crazy offensive guard play, and they can just make jump shots over these rim protectors. What happens if Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell go nuts from three for a series? That's totally on the table. That's not some crazy out of out of out of pocket idea. Like those guys bomb in threes from twenty seven feet. Those guys are that's like the only backcourt in the league where they have two guys who take threes from five plus feet beyond the three point line. Like there are a lot of teams in the East with crazy guard play who could just take down that Milwaukee defense. And I'm not saying that it will happen or that Milwaukee and Boston shouldn't be the favorites, but I still think we should be talking about the East is wide open. Like we should not be calling it for those two teams because those are extremely realistic ways both those teams could lose in the playoffs. I think this is all self-preservation on Fred's part. He doesn't want to go to the garden and have that reality that most games in the East don't matter because it's a two team. <laughs> Trust me, Sam. I'd love a short summer, a long summer. A long summer sounds wonderful. Uh, all right. You you didn't even know it. You just threw me the oop. Uh, I'm going to pivot again. Uh, speaking of short summers, uh, I'm going to finish this pod, guys, but I want your thoughts here with the Nuggets. We've, in true form, uh, or true to form, I guess. We've gone this whole pod, barely talked about the champions. This is what we do. The Nuggets are not sexy. They're not controversial. They, you know, they just go out and play pretty damn good ball. They got the job done last year, first fr- championship in franchise history. You know, even unintentionally, I guess Nikola Jokic dominated social media over the summer. All kinds of colorful, wonderful moments of celebrating horse races. One that I didn't somehow see until today of him 
Y'all see the, the, the flip off of the raft in the middle of the river video? Did you guys see this? This really happened. And big fella on the water, and I wish, you know, I, I wish you guys had seen it. On the water does a full flip and and completes it, which was like this, you know, sneaky athleticism that that, that was impressive. But, the, you know, he had himself a summer. So I see Jokic today in the hallway at Nuggets Media Day. Uh, and I actually missed his media availability. I was in the hallway talking to GM Calvin Booth. And Jokic walks by, say hello, shake hands. How was your summer? The only, you know, exclusive athletic quote today from Nikola Jokic was, too short, brother. <laughs> summer was too short. Um, the Nuggets, though, I do want to unpack them a little bit because today was super interesting just getting a pulse on them. What I like about where they are because, you know, and Slater, you know this really well, covering champions who then have to figure out how to, you know, keep the motivation at a high level, reinvent yourselves, things like that. Um, they've got a couple things going for them this year that I think are worth monitoring. They, 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 during the summer, you know, they stay out of anything free agency wise in terms of, uh, you know, kind of vets to, to come in and replace Bruce Brown, who went to Indiana. Um, they are very, very, very high on the draft picks. Um, Christian Brown is a guy that they absolutely see continuing to get better. So they're building in-house. That is their way of of kind of fighting back against the new CBA rules and, and trying to keep you know the cost of this thing in a manageable place. But um, in terms of the high-profile guys, Jamal Murray is a guy that that I, I think it's going to be fun to see what kind of year he has. And, and like always with all these guys, health permitting, and I hope he stays healthy. He last year you know, was so fantastic down the stretch of that that championship run. But if you remember, you go back to uh, early regular season, he got off to a very slow start. So still has not been an all-star, never been all-NBA. Um, that is something that Nuggets coach Michael Malone today chose to highlight as a, you know, clearly a bulletin board material type of thing where he challenged Jamal to become one of those elite players who does it from beginning to end. Now, intelligently or wisely, I guess, Malone started by saying that the 20-game stretch that Jamal had in the playoffs still is not appreciated enough. And he even said, you know, I know everybody says Nikola Jokic, best player in the world, and he is, but Jamal was special. And he and that's the truth. He was fantastic. Uh, but now he wants to see him do it from beginning to, uh, to end. Now that matters beyond the obvious because Jamal is is not expected to show any interest in, in an extension with the Nuggets this summer. It makes a lot more sense, uh, you know, monetarily to do it next summer, uh, especially if he can get an all-NBA spot uh, and become a Supermax extension guy. For Jamal, an incredibly important piece, that's big-time motivation. You know, guys like Brown who are now going to be given more responsibility. You know, Jokic looked good, but we've seen who he is, and I think that's going to continue um, you know, obviously don't sleep on the champs. They're going to be pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, the stage seems to be set for Jamal Murray to have that kind of bust out, you know, where I, I do think reputationally, I mean, clearly he took a leap. So, um, 
And it's what second year off of the ACL. That's always you know that a lot of athletes say that that's the one where they like back, really feel back to themselves. So, uh, right. and, and and you would have a you know you you mentioned the Jokic little anecdote you had at the beginning, but that would be my big question with them. It's just it is it really is a short summer, and it, and when you're just suddenly back at ground zero of a season, and it's game thirteen, and it's game you know twenty four, and it's dead of winter, and you ha- like. And you just kind of want the taste of the playoffs again. Like, you know, how are you going to take the regular season? Because I've covered defending champs that just, it just becomes such a slog the year after. I mean, I just covered a season, right? The Warriors were defending champs last year. That was a slog of a season. Well, and before, Fred, you jump into that point, Slater, this was interesting. You know, Malone uh, made a, a a passing comment, but but it was an insightful one about how he chose during the summer because it was so short to, in his words, not be a helicopter parent, meaning that he didn't want to bug his guys very much. He didn't reach out to Jokic, didn't keep any kind of consistent communication, and in fact, kind of quipped that they would find out during day one of training camp in San Diego on Tuesday if anybody had actually been working. And and I don't really think he was kidding. I don't know that they kept tabs on their guys because of you know the shortness of the summer. And by the way, they got a little worse, right? I mean, like I think I we all probably view them as the West favorites going into the season. But lose Jeff Green, lose Bruce Brown. Like they brought Reggie Jackson back at a number that surprised Fish Smith some people. too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like they're just like it's marginally worse, but it's. Probably a little bit. Well, and that's where the the draft pick stuff is going to be fascinating because they that is their vision for, you know, eventually filling uh, that that production, even if it takes a while to get there. Because you know you're talking about pretty inexperienced players. Fred, how do you see uh, that group? I mean, I see them as the best team in the Western Conference right now. It's it's hard to see them anywhere else. They were the best team wire to wire last year, and they had such a dominant postseason run. They have the best player in the world, probably. So yeah, I don't I don't disagree with anything you guys said. Uh but I think the West will be a little more competitive this year, if only because like I think the Lakers we're gonna see it for the full year, right? And like Phoenix is a different sort Let the of record animal. show you dropped Lakers first. Look at that, buddy. You talked That's Lakers. True. I didn't say one thing about the Lakers. Here you come. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, I think the West will will be more competitive this year too. Like I think Dallas is going to be a more competitive team and and we'll we'll see that better. But it's like, who are you possibly going to pick over Denver in the West right now? Right, right. All right, gentlemen, great stuff. That was fun. I know we covered a lot of ground, uh, but honestly, very good to see both of your faces, Fred and Slater on the same screen. Mr. Schlecht, as always, appreciate you. It was fun having you on. Uh uh, we're not going to lean on you too hard, but man, OKC is going to be a bigger story this year if uh, if the momentum of last season continues. Can I tell a story about Bill Milk before we go? Yes, we forgot to bring that up. Thank you. Sure, I'm going to listen to it as a listener on the podcast. I'm about to jump out of here. Yeah. Because Dunleavy needs to get swole. Is that what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> it's already happening. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I, Sl- I, Slater's Dunleavy right now. Hey, there it is. (laughs) So I asked, so I interviewed the players and then the last like minute of every interview, I did a quiz for each player. How Oklahoma are you? So one of the questions is, what's the best place to get milk and ice cream? And so there's a place called Brahms locally in Oklahoma. It's very famous. It's everywhere. It's like on every street corner. Best ice cream, 
Phenomenal quality milk. You should know this if you live in Oklahoma. Few of the guys got it. Jay Will, not Jay Dub, Jalen Williams from Arkansas, sat there and thought for a few minutes, and he's thinking the best place to get milk and ice cream. And he looked at me, and he said, a cow. <laughs> What's his answer? <laughs> and I absolutely gave him credit for that because it is technically the right answer. Yeah, I was going to say he's not wrong. Yeah, actually, I think it's better than the right answer. I think yeah. your answer is the wrong answer. Well, it's not because he's right. It was a gr- it was a great answer. <laughs> See, that's what you get done at Thunder Media Day. And they probably that's gave right. you chairs too. I had multiple chairs. I think I actually had too many chairs. Matt Templeson doing work. Should donate some to the Spurs. That's right. I need to ship some down to San Antonio. Appreciate you guys. Uh, This was fun. We're back. The season is here. Thank you, as always, to the listeners for joining us.